Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, welcome to Telling Everybody Everything Canadian Edition. I just sat down to do this podcast in a blazing hot solarium of the Airbnb that we're staying in in Sarnia, Ontario. And I brought the baby monitor with me because I put Fred down for a nap a little while ago and then I had to do a few bits of work because I can never get an actual holiday. Though I am very hashtag blessed to have people who want me to work for them. Um, But I mean, God. So I completed that and now I'm looking at the monitor and Fred is up. So I'm gonna continue doing the podcast. Luckily, I had the good foresight to give birth to a child 13 years ago that is violet she can pop in there and try to get him back down i've sent her an emergency text going will you please get fred down it's just never ending with fred and like i posted about this on my instagram the other day i know that the way you parent is a choice and there are some people who work way harder than i do my good friend kate has a little girl and she's also expecting another baby and she's a nurse who works nights and some of my hometown sarnia girlfriends were looking to get together today And she said, well, I'm working nights and then I have to nap a little bit in the afternoon. And so I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking? Like, so she works all night and then she probably looks after her daughter all day. And then she has a little bit in the afternoon where she delegates that to someone else so she can sleep. And then she goes and looks after other people's kids. She's like a pediatric nurse, I think. Shit. So I totally understand that I'm a clown and it can be done. But the way that I parent, I just feel like. It can't be done. And Bobby's very helpful, of course, and Violet's very helpful. And at home, we do have access to a babysitter. But for some reason, I have to be, I I just don't get it. I don't get how people do it. Because if I am in the same room as Fred, he's all over me. He won't even look at anyone else, hold anyone else's hand. He has to be, like, touching me. And these days, he's learned to walk in Canada, but he likes to hold hands because he's not too sure of himself. So I'm hunched over, chained to a baby bear 24-7. And then... I don't do social things. Like if I have to do something for work, I will do it and I will go out if that is what it requires. But a lot of my work is from home and I just don't understand how people get the discipline right because I can't really have anyone else looking after him. And then Bobby went out at Just for Laughs. We were very, very lucky to be invited once again to one of the greatest comedy festivals in the world, the Just Pour Rire, Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in Montreal. And that's an amazing week. Like, I have been there before as a young person, never as a single uh, childless person, but as a young person. And Violet was a little bit better than Fred with staying with my mom or staying with babysitters. She was a little bit older too, though, I guess. And I wouldn't go crazy. Like, I never got drunk at these things. But I would go out at least. And this year, uh, Amy Schumer was there. Fortune Feimster was there. Kevin Hart was there. My management from America was there. My management from London, Kitty, was there. I just feel like an alien because people are like, oh, um, come out for lunch. Can you do this? I'm walking around the city. Can you meet up? And it's like, no, I can't. And I didn't get to see anyone's show. Everyone's going, oh, have you had a good festival? You have to do press for your own show. And they say, have you had an amazing festival so far? What's it like? And I go, "Uh, no, I mean, it's difficult to find restaurants suitable to feed Fred in. We can't cook in a hotel. Um, And I haven't seen anyone's show. And I spend the day like waking up at six and also all through the night. And then I like do things with Fred. I like push around a truck and I hold his hand and I sort of slowly, slowly shuffle along the sidewalk all god damn day and then if i'm lucky i get 40 minutes to shower and do my makeup before i go to my show and then my show is fun because for an hour no one really bothers me the show is bliss but then i go straight back home and bobby went out once and i just i can't do that and i just find that people don't understand that i can't do that they go well you know your mom flew in today she's with fred can you come out no i can't because 
Fred will be up and looking for me at like 10 30 12 30 2 30 5 and then he'll be up for good at 6 and if I'm hung out well first of all I'm pregnant so that's off the list but even if I wasn't like I just can't do it and then Bobby said to me in Sarnia oh um I'm gonna go out with my friends one night and I said all right fine like but please don't come in at four please don't and if you do just please sleep in another room because I can't be woken up by both of you and uh, I said, I don't mind you hanging out with your friends. Of course, I like, you know, because people need different things. That's what Bobby said. He goes, well, we're different. I go, yeah, we are different. <laughs> like, we're not that different. I might like to see my friends, but like I'm biologically not able to be drunk. And also I have to look after this baby all the time and get up with him through the night. And I have four jobs. So, yeah, I guess we're different. <sighs> but I'm very blessed. I'm very lucky. Just for Laughs was um, great. Canadians, I find, if you want to know what the festival is like, Edinburgh Fringe Festival is a big comedy festival kicking off right now in August in Scotland. If you are in a position to go, please go. There are different shows for everyone. They also have some type of drums. I don't really know what that's about in Edinburgh. Or maybe it's fireworks. What's it called? Something happening also in Edinburgh that lots of people come to. The comedy festival also has like an arts festival and a theater festival and a music festival. There's just so many shows, serious shows. I think, who was it? Was it Sue Perkins told me that one year at the Edinburgh Fringe, she saw a Brazilian theater troupe do this midnight show where a guy would like take a shit on stage at midnight and she asked him like how he did it every day and apparently it wasn't always the same guy as like whoever felt like they could do it would do it now I wouldn't recommend you ever go to a show like that but what I'm trying to explain is that there's definitely something for everyone just for laughs is the one that I mean it's very well known in Canada it's the 40th anniversary of just for laughs they invite a lot of big American famous famous comedians down but then they also have some well-known TV comics and then some middle-of-the-road like people who are coming up might not be that well-known but are fresh new faces and then they have really young new faces who are actually like picked by Variety magazine a magazine that hates me and they get to do a showcase and it's very industry I think just for laughs is even more industry than the Edinburgh Fringe internationally speaking all these LA and New York people come and like strut around with their industry badges and passes and use their loud American voices to make fun of Montreal. All the American comics do that too. They're like, oh my God, there's French on this sign. It's like, yeah, you're in a different country, fuckface. I hate that. I hate when, and it feels like such an American thing to travel somewhere else and then make fun of the culture there. Be like, oh, why does the button in the elevator say RC? I'm like, it means reception. What? Like the lobby? Yeah, reception. You're in Montreal. Ah, I made an ass of myself actually in the lift. We stayed at a beautiful hotel, not like the comedians' comedians' hotel. I learned very early on, you don't stay in that hotel if you have a family and you're me. And now other people had a family. Actually, Amy Schumer delivered a very inspirational speech where she said, on this trip, I did not bring my son and my husband. And the plane ride here was so blissful that I asked the pilot to do another lap. I enjoyed it so much. And I thought, oh, one day soon. I mean, the children bring me existential joy. And by children, I mean exclusively Fred because Violet's no work whatsoever. She's just a help. She, I'm watching her on the monitor now, feeding him. She might even get him back down for his nap. It never stops. But one day, you know, I'm going to travel somewhere, I think. And I'm going to have the strength to do that without my small, small children because I just think Fred, I think he doesn't like coming on all these trips. He's a little bit out of sorts. But anyway, you don't stay in the Comedian's Hotel because it's too much fun. You have to choose a nice kind of upscale hotel if you can afford it a little bit down the street. So I got into the lift and also getting into the lift was American Filipino comedian Joe Coy. I know this comedian because apparently he's very, very nice. That's not how I know him. I know him because he was dating Chelsea Handler for a year before they announced their very um, mutual 
happy split, it seems, on Instagram. They were like, yeah, we were so in love and we put that all over Instagram. And now we've decided we're not right for each other, but we're still great friends. I mean, it was, it, it's a very adult split. And also because my sister Carrie is married to a man from the Philippines, she sort of feels Filipina by proxy. And the Filipino community, they come out for each other. If you're a Filipino comedian, singer, artist, you know, you, the whole Filipino community is behind you. And I have said before, but I will say again, man, I wish that women could get on board with each other like this. You will never hear a black person say, I just don't think black comedians are funny. You will never, ever hear an Asian person say, nah, I, you know, I love comedy. I just don't, I don't think Asian comedians can hack it. But time and time again, you will hear women, and you might be a woman, who says, oh, I, I just don't think women are as funny as men. Or I like you, but, you know, I don't like all those other women. That's evil, and it's internalized misogyny. And I know you don't mean to do it, but you're doing it. And think about what it would sound like. Any other demographic turning against their own and being like, yeah, so I'm gay, but I hate gay comics. Actually, some gay people do hate gay comics, and that's a shame. I have heard that from a lot of my gay friends. They think that sometimes LGBT, like queer acts on stage, overcook it or they like talk in a nasty way about their community. But I mean, look, that's called being self-deprecating. We do what we have to do to be successful on the road and still insert a lot of our authentic voice if we can. So that's just for laughs, and it's really, really fun. But they are meticulous about their organization. When you do a TV gala set there, they want you to send in a transcript. Only eight minutes. They go, send us word for word what you're going to say on stage in that eight minutes. And you're like, what? Because we don't do that in the UK. I understand they have to check it over for legal. You, they don't want you coming on a television gala and advertising for Walmart. Fair enough. But I mean, it just seems weird. Live at the Apollo in the UK for the BBC, I think they do actually want to see what you're going to say for the same reason. They have to clear it with lawyers. But they have accepted bullet points from me before. You know, the JFL is like, send us exactly every word. Fine. So you send that in. I sent mine late. And not because I disrespect him. I'm trying. I'm trying my hardest. But everything that I do is late right now. And then they go, all right, and now we'd like you to perform that eight-minute set at a weird club down the road in the middle of nowhere so that we can watch you do it. And then the next day, we want you to come back and do it on the TV gala. And you're like, well, I'm here doing my own hour show. I'm here doing all these other things. I'm doing press. I'm trying to meet up with my agent. I'm trying to see some other comedians. Could I please get out of that? And they say no. And so I did something I've never done before in my life. Because I just didn't go to that warm-up. I emailed a week in advance and I said, I can't do this. I'm pregnant. I have a small baby. It's a like 11 p.m. show. I just can't. Like, I have to be home to look after everybody. And they were like, nope, it's mandatory. And I was like, well, ugh, I told you I'm not coming, so I'm still not going to come. And I didn't go. And I really hope that that doesn't mean that I'm never invited to Just for Laughs again. Because I do enjoy it. But look, I couldn't go. And the TV gala was fun, but you never do as well at the TV galas as you do on your own show. I don't know what it is. There's like a mixed audience in this beautiful, massive theater called Place des Arts. And um, a lot of the people there just don't like me. I remember once I was on a gala with this American comedian, Sebastian. He's American-Italian, and he's very funny, very physical. I would say he's like, oh my gosh, Violet got the baby back down. Violet, you're a genius. God, I love that girl. I know you're not supposed to have favorites, but she's far and away the best one. Yes, Violet. Yes. Sebastian is like an American-Italian Michael McIntyre in terms of likability, broad appeal, physicality. He like runs all over the stage. He's really silly, funny. I really like him. But anyway, I bombed on his gala a few years ago, and this was the year that my then boyfriend, Alex, had just broken up with me while I was filming a travel show over FaceTime and I was eating a burrito and I was really hungry. So I was on FaceTime eating this burrito and he's giving me all these reasons why, like, weird reasons. You know, when someone wants to break up with you, they need to be like, I don't like you anymore. I don't fancy you, whatever. But he was like, geography and and I just kept eating the burrito. And then he said, see, 
we can laugh about it now because we're very good friends. And he was right. We needed to break up. But he said, see, this relationship means nothing to you. You've not even stopped eating your burrito. And I was like, you don't know me at all. I will never stop eating a burrito. I could be learning that all my extended family were involved in a terrible collision and I wouldn't stop eating a burrito. I'd be like listening to the doctor like, okay, bite. I am paying attention, but I'm also hungry. So that happened and I didn't care for a week. This was years ago, maybe five years ago. I don't know. I didn't care at all for a week. And then I think also because I was traveling and I was out of my element and I was away from home and I was just panicking for some reason, thinking he's the first boyfriend I ever had. He was nice. I thought, oh my gosh, I'll never even meet anyone again who's nice. But that's how I learned that you can have a boyfriend who's a wonderful person and very talented and you get along with them and they're nice, but they're still not the person for you and that's okay. But then I, it all came crashing down on me. So I had this like realization that, oh my gosh, I've, this was wrong. I shouldn't have allowed this breakup to happen. I should have fought harder. I should have put down the burrito. And I was at Just for Laughs. And I was crying. And I didn't want to do the set. But I tried my best to do the set. And I just bombed. Like the audience that was at the TV gala just didn't like me. They were mostly Italian. Do you know there are more Italian people in Montreal than New York? Yeah. Like Italy has the most Italian people. And Montreal has the second most Italian people in the world from what I've heard. And they were all there to see Sebastian that night. And I fucking eight dog shit on stage. Tammy Pascatelli was on the show, also Italian, very funny. I just didn't have what they wanted. And that's fine. That happens sometimes. But when I came off, Sebastian, who was hosting this gala, came back on and really highlighted how badly I'd done. He was like, well, we better clean up this mess. And that's kind of against the comedy rules. You know, we don't do that to each other. But he did it on a TV gala. And, uh, I mean, I know it's naughty, but I kind of didn't even mind because whatever. He had to do what was best for the show. He got a laugh, and that's all that counts. On this TV gala, I was introduced by the main man, Jimmy Carr. You know I love him so much. He did an incredible job. He said, not all Canadians are moose fuckers, but when you look at Catherine Ryan's face, you know that her dad was. That's funny. Um, He said, I got back together with my high school boyfriend and married him. It sounds like a cute story, but what actually happened is I'd fucked everyone else in the world and had to start again. That's funny. And then uh, I forget what I said. I came on. We had like a little roast back and forth. I said, uh, Jimmy's laugh is the reason his parents never tickled him. Adorable joke. Everyone loves Jimmy's laugh. They laughed at that. And then it went, I I roasted Jimmy a bit, and then I did my own set, and it kind of, I progressively lost them from there. But that's okay. I did fine. What counts is that my shows were well attended by the true people who love me, Thank you, Canadians and Americans who traveled to Montreal. What was I going to say there? Montreal, Montreal. To see me, I really appreciated the trip that you made. And if you were local to Montreal, I know there were so many other things that just for laughs that you could have seen. So I really appreciate you coming to my show. I went to Hooters while I was in Montreal. And it was not good. I love Hooters. I have no trouble bringing my children there. Uh, It was like... I understand why people don't love Hooters, though. It seemed like a seedy place when I went there. There were a few, like, lone men, and it was lunchtime, so they definitely had the C-squad on, you know, not the quickest wait staff. And I think I'll just never be comfortable in a Hooters because I was the best. I tried my absolute balls off. If you came into a Hooters, I was friendly, I sat you, I brought you drinks, and, like, I'm distracted when they don't do the things right. They were a bit slow. No one was even there, so... They were nice. They were beautiful. But we had to ask a few times for things. And, you know, the cutlery was out after the food. Things like that. Canadian customer service has gone down. I was walking Fred around the restaurant. He's just learned to walk and that's all he wants to do. And he talks so much. He goes, walk, 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 walk. And I don't want him to think that talking goes unrewarded. I want to always respond to the words that he says to encourage him to talk even more. So I go, oh, you'd like to walk? Well, we can't really walk right now. We're in the car or whatever. But I try to mostly say, all right, let's walk. So we're walking around the restaurant and their manager, who, uh, being a Hooters manager is a very curious position in life. The manager says to me, oh, I wouldn't really walk him around here. There could be broken glass. And I was like, that fucking sounds like a you problem, sir. Like you're the manager of this restaurant. Why don't you run the broom round 
hoover a bit. Make sure there's no broken glass in your restaurant, ass. But anyway, he was, you know, fair enough. You really shouldn't be walking a baby around a bar. But we were like the first people there. It was lunchtime. If there was broken glass, surely it should have been cleared up by from last night. I don't know. He was only looking out for Fred. But then we went to this restaurant called Expectation. And I hate to pun it up, but it failed to meet my expectations. This is a restaurant that all comedians go to in Montreal, but local Montreal people have since told me, like, you don't want to go there. I, I don't blame that restaurant. They're like a all-day breakfast, but they also have other food, and they have Caesars, that delicious Canadian drink that I love, a Bloody Caesar. It's like a Bloody Mary, but thin, you know? You know how Bloody Mary is kind of thick, kind of like a soup? No, a Bloody Caesar is thin, delicious it's got like a big gherkin on it but not one of your disgusting uk gherkins a nice canadian gherkin yum 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 love a caesar they have it all grilled cheese sandwiches curly fries home fries poutine which do not okay i've had some people from the north be like oh that looks like a northern staple it's just chips cheese and gravy no it's not it's chips cheese but it's a special cheese that you do not have some restaurants in the north are specialty poutine places and they have it but we are not doing a northern chips cheese and gravy it is a canadian variation of that and it's delicious especially with white vinegar but the service was like again my daughter's like can i have the wi-fi password he's like we don't have wi-fi i'm like i'm looking at the wi-fi you have wi-fi and then i said can i have a side of pickles he's like yeah yeah didn't bring it slow and like i feel like when you sit down in a restaurant with a baby if i were serving and someone sat with a baby I'd be on it and we went back again and it was even worse that time and it's just it's not exclusive to any restaurant I don't think because even when Bobby and I were in Los Angeles at this beautiful hotel the service was kind of lacking there and a lot of things were closed you know no hotel does a mini bar anymore and they go oh it's because of COVID and also no one wants to work here anymore and that makes me sad it's like what you can make so much money waitressing bartending doing any customer service in Canada how do people not need these jobs? And that's what my mom said. My mom said, well, they're probably like, obviously, they don't pay enough. Yeah, but I mean, when I was waitressing, there was no actual salary. I think we earned like $3 an hour or something crazy because you make money in tips. And surely Canadians are still tipping. Americans are still tipping. That hasn't gone away. So I just don't understand why nobody wants to work. And then maybe COVID, like with the government, has made it so that they're better off not working. And that's a very dangerous step into communism, like having people just more comfortable sitting at home, collecting the same amount of money. I, I don't know. I don't know what it means over here, but the government is different. We have to check in with them. Like we have to fill out this big arrive can thing, tell them exactly where we're staying, tell them all this weird personal information, which doesn't make any sense because we are Canadian. Surely we should be free to just like come here. We're vaccinated. We do all the stuff they say to do. But no, you still have to say like exactly where you are and what you're doing and check in with your symptoms all the time and fill out all these online forms. And if I'm an 85 year old man traveling, I'm not going to know how to do that. You have to get an app. I mean, there are ways around the app. I went and didn't get the app, but it makes it harder. You have to log in online every day. It's just so weird. Canada's weird, and a lot of people are very scared of COVID here still. And I know that in America, I see a lot of people that I love and respect. Comedians, especially left-wing artists, they're still very, very scared of COVID. And is it like, it's not, it's, it's like a cold now, isn't it? Am I wrong? Am I wrong? I'm happy to be wrong. Please email me if I'm wrong. If you ever want to write me a letter or tell me anything at all, it's Catherine. No, it's not. Oh, I almost gave you my real email address nice try it's telling everybody everything at gmail.com let's have some words from our sponsors hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. While I'm visiting Canada, I have two more shows. I'm doing, I think I sound a bit more Canadian. Two more shows. I will be in Ottawa August 4th at the Algonquin Theater. I think that's nearly sold out, but then I asked if I could have some tickets for people, and they said they were holding five of them back. So, I mean, who knows what happens on the day. I feel like, and I've said this before, that if you want to see any show, if you show up with just yourself and loads of people go to comedy alone because you can't talk in the show anyway, and it's dark, comedy is a wonderful thing to see alone. If you show up on your own or with one more person, you know, as long as you're not rolling six deep, you can usually get a last-minute ticket to anything on the door or by ringing the theater sometimes. Never, ever, ever buy from resale sites. And on August 6th, I am doing another show, my brand-new tour show, Misses. Well, I mean, it's not brand-new at this point. It's my current tour show. That is in Toronto at the Danforth Music Hall. I don't know if there are tickets left for that. That's not really my area. But again, if you turn up last minute, you can probably get a couple, I think, Especially with COVID knocking about, people are canceling last minute and staying home. I don't know. Um, let's get to the emails because I'd love to see all of your questions, all of your little comments. And I have my sister editing them now, so I get to see a lot more. She goes through them because some of you like to write me a novel. I appreciate that, but I can't read it out on the podcast. So if you ever want to write me anything, telling everybody everything at gmail.com. I want to hear your story. But for the podcast, I also need you to be sort of concise. Ooh, here's a letter from a new stepmom. Catherine, I went into the pandemic very single for the last 10 years, and I came out of it with a relationship along with stepchildren after bumping into an old friend with whom I reconnected and we got along better than expected. During that time, we've been through a lot. We've both had serious unexpected operations very close together, mine due to endometriosis, as well as very significant close family member deaths, not COVID related and other ailing family members. We got through it, we came out stronger, but I'm still struggling to deal with the fact that I cannot have kids. I'll have to have a hysterectomy over the next year. And my partner has now decided that I've been too involved with his kids' routine, and he doesn't want me to ask them to do chores around our home or help out or mention bedtimes, because one of the kids has now decided to start rebelling and not wanting to listen to instruction. He would rather not have the friction. I get it to a point, but he was very encouraging of me being an active, involved step-parent to the kids, and it was helping me make peace with not being a mom myself. Maybe it sounds crazy, but it feels like the thing that was helping me make peace with my circumstances has been taken away. I'm only good for the fun stuff, organizing things, cooking, but I get no say in anything with what the kids do in our home when they're with us in case it causes friction that he doesn't want to deal with. I don't know what to do. All the kids love spending time with me, and they ask to spend more time with us, which I love, but it doesn't feel like I'm being any kind of parent, just the fun aunt. Is this just normal adjustment to step-parent life? Do I need to be more patient for it all to settle in? Oh, no. So tricky for me because as a mother, if Bobby were to split up with me and then my kids were with him and some other woman that he fell in love with and married I mean I don't no I mean I think well no I think I would respect that if that was her home she shouldn't be um, castrated for lack of a better term in her own home like if that's where you live and these kids are under your care I don't think it's fair to ask you just to like cook for them and be fun it maybe if you were a casual girlfriend I understand that but if this relationship is very serious and you've been asked to be a step parent, you know, it's not fair to just ask you to do half of it. It isn't at all. And if he feels like your boundaries are unreasonable, then that's something to discuss together. But certainly those kids are going to have to understand that you're a step parent, you're in the house and your husband or partner has to understand that you, for you to feel fulfilled in this family, you do have to have some say. And like, yeah, there are going to be problems, friction anytime you tell any kid to do anything. But Bobby is more strict than I am. But I mean, Violet doesn't stay with her dad. So I mean, Bobby and I are 
really a unit. And I would never say to him, like, you can't tell her that she's not yours. Like, that's insane. That's insane. I think you need to find out from your partner if you are a casual relationship or not. And if you are truly the step parent, then you have to be involved in decisions. And then if he thinks your boundaries don't make sense, you can talk about where to adjust them to. But no, absolutely not. For these kids to respect you in your home and for you to feel like a family, you need to have a chat with someone, not the kids, but either the their like birth mom, their mom, or your partner, because you cannot be castrated. Use the word castrated with a man. He will understand the significance of that. Oh God, I've just seen one line of this. My daughter was 17 when she started going out with a 36-year-old man and I'm heated up. And as an aside, before I read this email, Bobby and I got talking about, I don't know why, I don't know why this bothers me. Maybe because I'm pregnant, maybe because we're in our hometown, but we started talking about us both being like groomed by adults when we were 17. He had this like, whatever you want to call it, fling with a tour guide on a school trip. And she was like 22 or 21 or 23 around there. And you know what? Like even the male teachers at our school were like, yeah, baby, which is so fucked when like younger men get with older women. The reaction is like, oh, you're cool. And I famously was in a brief dalliance with a 31 year old prom security guard. (laughs) When I was 17, I laugh about it now. Don't like, don't get angry. It's not like I think it's cool. I think it's disgusting. This is how I know how disgusting it is. Ugh. And um, for some reason, when it was brought up about Bobby and this tour guide, I got so angry. I didn't do anything. You know, I just, the feeling inside me was like, I just hate it. I hate that story. It makes me mad. And I think it's because at the time, I was hurt by it at the time Bobby and I had just split up. We got back together again after that. But it just it made me mad. And I wasn't even jealous. Like, it made me sick and made me mad. Like, I thought she was trash. No offense if this girl's listening to my podcast. But, I mean, I'm sure she's dead. But she was not, like, an aspirational person. And I was like, why would he rather be with? I think he was with people that, you know, they weren't, they wouldn't have been my type. A few times after we broke up. And then he was with someone who was lovely and wonderful I'm not sure which one hurts more when you get split up with and then they're with like the bottom of the barrel like skids or if you get broken up with and then they're with someone that you think is a princess I'm not sure both things happened to me I didn't like either of them but this girl this tour got to hate the story it's like making my blood boil and Bobby's like wait a minute you were groomed worse than I was like I didn't like this girl really it was like a thing and then she was out of my life and then I turn around and you're with a 31 year old prom security guard but I don't think he gets mad about it the way I do I don't know but here's the email Catherine I listened to your podcast where you discussed age gaps I totally agree with you that it is about the respective stages of development rather than necessarily the number of years in the age gap my daughter was 17 when she started going out with a 36 year old man not only was the gap unacceptably large but more importantly she was barely emerging into adulthood agreed I was furious agreed and to be frank disgusted My daughter knew that I was very unhappy about it, but I didn't shout or interfere or try to lay down the law. I was afraid of alienating her and pushing her away. Yeah, if you don't have kids, this might be difficult for you to understand, but when they get to be almost adults, there's a very precarious line that you have to balance on because you voice your disapproval and you'll just, you know, it won't help you. What you want is a positive result, you know? It's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's about where you end up. Oh, I can't imagine I would have been successful in dissuading her from that path. I could barely be civil to him. Seeing them together physically revolted me. Thankfully, after two years, it came to an end. From my perspective, it was seemingly, screamingly inappropriate. And there was something fundamentally wrong with him to feel that such a relationship was in any way acceptable. It was a lucky escape. My daughter had options, and she moved away for work, and that was the death knell to the relationship. Otherwise, she could have wasted more years with someone leading to a prematurely middle-aged existence before experiencing all the life has to offer. And in a way, that's what I think is most reprehensible about people who exploit teen young people. The limiting of their potential and life choices, which they have already had the advantage of. 
experiencing themselves. That was my experience. As a parent, it was very difficult to know what to do for the best, but ultimately it did work out. But what the fuck? All right. So I feel like what we can take from this is if you are a parent in the same situation and your teen, your late stage teen is exhibiting behavior that you think is dangerous, be very careful because you could be pushing them away if you interfere too much. Be very careful and just hope that you have done your due diligence as a parent in those years that you did have formative control over their little brains, which are still growing, by the way. Girls, your brains are growing until you're 25 at least, and then they shrink rapidly like mine. Hope that you laid down the groundwork for them to wake up and see their way out of a bad situation. That's really all you can do and be supportive because what you don't want to do is be like, well, you're banned from this house if you continue fucking that 36-year-old man and then like they want to leave him, but they're like, well, I got to prove my mom wrong and they have nowhere to go. So that's not what you want. But equally, if you are a teen and you think that you're smart and clever and special and that's why this like 40-year-old has scouted you from the playground, no. And you're breaking your parents' heart, not because they want to control you or they're stupid and they're wrong, but because like, honestly, this is gross. And it's for those reasons is that this person had lots of experiences in a life already. And I know you think you're grown, but you have to experience those things without them. And if you're really meant to be together, then you can find that man again when he's 75 and in a wheelchair and see if you still fancy him then. And then he can be together. Oh, this is very relevant. Catherine, I hope you have some advice for a fellow expat. I grew up in the UK, but now I live in Canada. I love my lifestyle here, but I can't shake the guilt I feel for moving away from my family. I had reasons for moving when I did, and I didn't really like living in the UK, but I do feel bad for leaving my parents. I also feel badly because I want children, but I know they won't really have a good relationship with their grandparents because they live so far away. My partner is Canadian, and neither of us really want to move to the UK. We'd rather raise our children here, but I can't shake the guilt. How do you stay connected to your family back home? And how do you foster a good relationship between your children and their grandparents? So my children have been with their grandparents uh, staggered throughout the week. We just got into Sarnia yesterday. My mom came to Montreal and Fred... I mean, no, she doesn't have a normal relationship with him like she would if she lived down the road and she was watching him two days a week. Um, he's kind of put off by my family. My sister and my mom kind of scare him a bit, I think because they sound like me and look like me. But it only takes a few hours. And I think that having grown up away from my Irish grandparents, my Nana and Papa lived in Cork all my life, we would visit them we didn't have FaceTime or anything back then. We would gather around a speakerphone and kind of talk to them. But I had context, especially as I got older. Like I knew who they were because they'd send me cards and letters. Post is something that kids get so excited about and they don't get it anymore. Like nobody really writes letters. And my mom does that for Fred and Violet. She writes cards and letters and sends stickers and candies and things and puts special stamps and writes Violet, you know, an actual letter in her own handwriting like here's what I did and what do you think of this and I heard you're doing that and Violet you know she could be better at writing back and I could be better at forcing her to write back because Violet is of the texting generation but she really I can tell even at her like spicy age of 13 where she's disinterested in everything that's not a device she does appreciate those letters she always opens them and reads them and she there's something special about getting a letter so you can do that with your kids I was not as close to my Irish grandparents as I was to my Canadian grandparents, but I still loved them and knew they were my grandparents. Do you know what I mean? It's like, let's say you have kids and you put them in daycare all day and you go to work from like seven to seven, which a lot of people do. They still know who their parents are. You know, they love the nanny. They love their daycare workers. They have friends, but there's a thing where you know who your family is and the kids make strange for a little while, but you got to get over like the guilt and just live the best life that you can because we live all over the world now. And luckily we have all this technology to stay in touch. You will not have as much help uh, by that. I mean, you will have no help, but that's all right. Sometimes it's good to live an ocean away from your grandparents. <laughs> I, I'm not someone who could live here in Sarnia uh, at all. And it's been lovely. When we got in last night, we went to Bobby's sister's house and all the family was there. Bobby has so much family. 
And Fred is weird with them. Like, they kind of look like his dad and they sound like his dad. So he gives them, like, dirty looks. But after a few hours, he's like, oh, yeah. And, like, they just dive in. And then he feels comfortable again. And over time, he'll feel more and more comfortable. And he will know. You know, kids aren't stupid. He'll go, oh, yeah, that's my dad's family who live in Sarnia. And my papa, my mom's dad, lives in Sarnia. I mean, he went to Papa's today and he absolutely loved it. Because Papa got him a little BMW car that you can push and drive. So, yeah, live wherever you want. Just make sure the grandparents get your kids a power wheels, push and drive, red BMW, and they'll be fine. There's somewhere in them they remember. And Violet hated everyone but me when she was small. But now she she loves and knows her grandparents. I mean, I can ask her. Hang on. Let me see where she is. She's texting me right now about getting a new phone. You never need the newest phone. Oh, I think someone's coming in now. Is that Violet? Oh, oh my God. How'd you know to come in here? I was just doing a question on the podcast that requires your assistance. Well done getting Fred down, by the way. That was incredible. Is That's Bobby back? Um, yeah, he's just um, making Sweet. Fred some lunch. Great. Okay. So speak as closely to that microphone as you can. Cool. And um, welcome back to the podcast, by the way. Oh, thanks. Everyone loves having you on. Yeah. Do you think you could sit back and speak at the same volume as me? Okay. Yeah, that's much better because you don't want to be straining to hear you. What's new in your life? Um, I should put Fred down. That was pretty cool. No, your actual life. I already told everyone about that. That was happening live on the podcast. Um... What is happening? Loads of stuff's happening, Violet. God, this is what TikTok does to your brain. I don't know. What is happening? We're in Canada. You already know that. Well, someone's written me a question about raising their children away from their grandparents. And I thought you would be a good person to ask because you've always lived in a different country to your grandparents. Yep. Do you feel like you have a good relationship with them, a bad relationship with them? Do you struggle to feel close to them? How do you communicate with them? No, well, um, I'm a teenager, so I don't need to see them, like, every day. But I have a good relationship with them because I'm not too close to them, which is not a bad thing, Mm. but it's not a good thing. Like, I see them on holidays and stuff, and that's good. But I get how it can be handy having a grandparent, like, close, especially if you're, like, have a new baby. Yeah. But... And also, it can be bad to have them too close if you have a new baby because can you imagine if you have the type of mom, which luckily I don't, the type of mom who's over every day being like now you need to do this i get that yeah i would it's a good thing and a bad thing launch myself off the porch you see how i changed that from being too dark yeah to something that only you get a skinned knee yeah so do you like your grandparents more than like other old people do you think when you were smaller you understood they were your grandparents yeah of course and grandmother writes you letters doesn't she yeah and we, t- we text all the time we facetime they're they're in the middle of like like they can they can use phones, let's just say. They yeah. can FaceTime me. Yeah, they're the right age for Papa that. Papa uses way too many emojis. Well that's cool that he's he'll, learning he'll about emojis. Like, he'll use like seven hearts and then like seven Irish flags <laughs> and like one Canadian flag. And like he sends me like four leaf clovers a lot, pictures. Alright, hang on. Something's going on with my vag. I think I might pee my pants. I'll be right back. Hello everyone. Your favorite girl, Violet. I'm here welcoming you to the pot. No, I'm just joking. My mum's gone. I have her microphone and her computer. So, hey guys, how you doing? How are your lives? I don't think she'll keep this in, but if she does, hey mum, thanks for keeping me in the podcast. Ooh, she's coming back, gotta go. Oh, I don't know why she left, but she's gone. All right, Um, this uh, next letter, there's a trigger warning. It is... Well, the trigger... I'll read her trigger warning. It says, although nothing bad happened to me, this happened when I was 12 and I was targeted by a pedophile so pedophile in the uk Catherine, i have a story for you that i just remembered that you can put on a shelf beside your experience with the inflatophiliac and other similar ones from your listener emails this was 2001 and i was alone at home after school i got a phone call from a man who said he worked with a modeling agency and then he's calling because my mom told him i wanted to be a model he said he met her at a specific photoshop where i actually knew she did recently go to develop film At the time, I really had told my mom a few times that I wanted to be a model. I instantly had a pretty good idea that this was bullshit, as my mom was not all on board with trying to make me a child model. And I also didn't think she would have just told some man to call me one-on-one about it. I've always been so conflict-averse and was raised to be polite, especially to grown-ups. So I felt like I was obliged to keep talking to this man. 
thankfully this was before smartphones, though I don't think I would have taken any pics if he'd asked, but he started asking me if my boobs were perky and I'm like, uh, I guess he progressed to asking me to undress and touch myself and even ask me to insert something into my vagina. I wasn't actually doing it, but I kept telling him that I was because I was just waiting for him to get to the point about modeling. Finally, I realized that this needed to end and I just hung up. I asked my mom about it and she said she never told anyone about me or to contact me. In retrospect, I have to conclude that someone who worked... Yes, yes, you have to conclude that. That someone who worked at the shop saw me in the photo roll and used the contact info to do this. I can't imagine how many other little girls got calls like that. I didn't tell my mom what he was actually asking, so we never even filed a complaint. I grew up with this very old school politeness and respect for elders being drilled into me. And that's part of what made me not hang up to this dude on the phone call for so long. There's no moral to this story because like a lot of crimes, it's just a shitty experience. (sighs) But if there's anything I take from this, it's that we have to teach our kids. They can be rude if necessary to exit comfortable, uncomfortable situations with no fear of punishment or consequences. By age 12, the forced politeness and instinct to be docile and not to make trouble was second nature to me, which I did unlearn later. Oh my God. Well, something did happen to you. I love the trigger warning. You're like, nothing bad happened to me. This happened when I was 12. I was targeted by, I know what you mean, like nothing, no one physically attacked you, but what happened to you was a violation, 100%. And I hope that either you have definitely squared this away with yourself or spoken to a professional about it because I I think it's misunderstood by you to say nothing happened to you I mean I know what you mean nothing happened like to you but oh god well I'm glad that you have this outlook anyway like oh well see the young people don't get that I think about older generations is they're, they're like wait a minute like this you have to retaliate and this and this it's like no when i joke about the prom security guard our attitude to a lot of stuff was like well because it was normal back then not normal but like certainly not we weren't as aware of things being as bad then and it's good that you are now but like we can't go back and drudge everything up unless it had a lasting negative impact and many of us have worked through these things so god i'm really sorry that happened i feel like this person though god who knows what they're doing what is the statute of limitations on things like that only because all right this person at the one hour photo sounds like a creep and a pedophile and like who knows who else he called but you know who who knows how far he took it because i think these things do escalate the more they get away with it and i know someone who works in border control and has to search computers sometimes and he's like you wouldn't believe you just wouldn't believe how rampant these types of crimes are it's way worse than we think it's way not it's not common but it's more common than we think so yes the lesson is teach your children that they can be rude Ramesh Ranganathan has a great bit about this where uh some of his friends were saying oh no don't let your children swear and Ramesh is like I don't care if my kids swear you know they'll be at the park someone approaches them but fuck off pedo like those are the kids I want to raise and um I was on Loose Women a couple weeks ago it was a wonderful experience because I love the show and they had a segment where children in America were going to this like boot camp for how to fight off an abductor and it was bone chilling to watch I mean I didn't realize I was going to have such an emotional reaction to watching this video but basically it's trained adults at this boot camp helping kids but what they do is drag them into cars and they teach the kids to be like no 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 and um honk the horn and like kick off And then I came on the panel and they were like, what do you think about this, you know, topic? And I just said, yeah, I mean, I remember growing up and this is very gruesome advice, but my mom always told us, don't get to the second location. If someone approaches you or tries to quietly take you somewhere, you don't want to be impolite and maybe you're in shock and you just don't know what to say. So you go along with it. You can't do that. You have to kick and scream and say fire, 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 like kick off, make as much of a scene as you can, like go mental and do not let them take you out of the public space into wherever they want to take you the second location. Don't get to the second location. And that's grim, but that's what I've always taught Violet. That's what I'll continue to teach my children. 
Yikes, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Talk to someone about that if you feel at all weird about it still. And thank you for sharing that. That is fucked. Well, thank you so much for listening today. Thank you for your emails. There are so many that I never get to, but please keep emailing me, telling everybody everything at gmail.com. My paperback version of The Audacity comes out August 4th. Please buy that because they're asking me to do lots of promotion for it and I just can't. So I said I'll mention it on the podcast. I think people who know about me just already know about me. And that's why I feel like there's no man like listening to Radio 2 in the morning who... uh, doesn't know I have a book out who's like oh I'm gonna get copyright I just think do you know what I mean I think I'm out there right now and also every time I do anything on this podcast the tabloids pick it up and then it's people just keep hearing about me and I don't want to bother anyone all right so if you know people who like me please tell them to get the paperback of the audacity that's available August 4th if you're not a hardback person you know the paperback has a different cover it's smaller it's like got a whole new vibe Uh, get that one. It's good for traveling. I appreciate those of you who've read or listened to The Audacity already. I'm back on tour in the UK in the autumn. I'm so happy to be here in Canada now, and I hope you're all looking after each other. Please enjoy the final of Love Island. I'm rooting for Akinde, Akinsun Davide. If you don't know what that means, get involved. I'll see you next week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.